That's great. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we rank all of the albums from whatever artists we're doing this week. And this week we are doing Pantera. We're going to be ranking all nine of their records from their worst to their best. And we're going to name our biggest banger from each of them. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to get into our six degrees of Tom DeLonge. If you don't know what that is, look up the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Same idea, but between Tom DeLonge and the artist of the week. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Uh, my name is Tyler, way out there, hundreds of miles away. It's Jeff. Uh, yeah, we also have a phone number. You can call, leave us a voicemail, send us a text. It's 503-893-5307. Now that we're done with the boring, boring, boring intros, let's get right into our six degrees of Tom DeLonge. What do you got? Go. Uh, you got nothing. I wish, please. I always got something. So, trying to think of something in your, in your mind real quick? No, that'd be hard. I, I do have one though. This is uh, this is with Terry Glaze because I figured you know throw back a little bit to all them all yeah. them old school Pantera fans. Terry Glaze was the OG singer, and he was in a band called Blowfish with a P H I S H. That's funny. With drummer Mike Malinin, who also drummed for the Goo Goo Dolls, and also mm-hmm. has drums for Tanya Tucker, also, which was kind of funny. That's um, but Mike Mullinan in the Goo Goo Dolls to Johnny Rezesnik from the Goo Goo Dolls. And then Johnny Rezesnik did the City of Angels soundtrack, or at least did some of the songs, or at least was involved with the City of Angels soundtrack with the Goo Goo Dolls. But the City of Angels starred Nicolas Cage. And then this is where I kind of like had to cheat a little bit because there's a movie coming up that has everybody. But Nicolas Cage was in a movie called Running with the Devil, which is uh, 2019, with this guy Clifton Collins Jr. Damn. Ring a bell? No, no, no. He's, if you saw his face, you would you would immediately recognize who he is. He's been Christian in a ton Collins? of fucking Clifton. Oh, Clifton. Cl- Clifton Collins Jr. But Clifton Collins Jr. was in this this doc called L.A. Originals. That was the kind of cheating part. With uh, Travis Barker was also in it. There was a ton of oh, musicians okay. that are in there, and then Travis to Tom. So that's what I got. I I don't recognize this guy at what? all. What? No, I don't recognize him at all. The fuck yeah, you don't recognize this guy at <laughs> I all. I really don't. He's like a oh wait, this picture. Okay. This okay, this picture I I do recognize him with the facial hair. Yeah. Without the facial hair, no. But the he's moment in, you throw a beard on him, yeah, I know him. He's in a lot of a ton of movies as as secondary characters at best. Yeah, never never the star, no. never the star. Okay, yeah, I know who this is. There you go. There you go. There you go. So you just got the one. Just the one, baby boy. Right, I just got the one too. Mm. So we're gonna start with the producer of Vulgar Display of Power, oh, and that is Terry Date. Producer, here we go. And th- and that was Terry Date. Uh, so yeah, he, he produced this record, the the album of the week. Uh, he also produced uh, several songs off of the Smashing Pumpkins album Zeitgeist. Um, also, if you don't know, Tommy Lee 
played drums on a Smashing Pumpkins record called Monuments to an Elegy. So we're at Tommy Lee. Uh, in the movie The Dirt, Machine Gun Kelly played Tommy Lee in that movie. And then Machine Gun Kelly to Travis, Travis to Tom. There you hmm. go. Well, look at that. I'm, I'm, I mix it up with, with the music and the movies. You know, I just had to do something cool there. Okay. So that, that's all I got for my Six Degrees of Tom DeLonge. Just had the one. So should we just get jump right into the uh, the rankings? Let's do it, Jer. Okay. So like I said, there are nine, they have nine records, where they put out nine records, and we're going to go from worst best to their best and then give our biggest banger from each. So what do you got for number nine? Uh, number nine, I Am The Knights, their third album, 1985. This is last All because right. I thought it was super, super similar to Projects, the, the other mm-hmm. album. There was just, um, there was there was no getting better here. And I, I felt with the early albums, they got better in certain ways. And, mm-hmm. and especially like Dimebag too. But I don't know, there's only so much he can do as, as, a, as a guitarist for a glam band. Um, but luckily this was our last album, Terry Glaze. Whew. So yeah, I have no, I, I have no bangers. I did not enjoy this one. Oh damn! Okay. wasn't wasn't like terrible, but it was just mm, I would never listen to this again, ever. That's fair. That's fair. It's it's their glam era. Their glam era. Yeah. So my number nine is their first record, Metal Magic. This one is very rough, very bootleg sounding. Uh, the cover art is very unique. It's terrible. Uh, it looks like what it was where you know they probably asked their 16 year old buddy because they were all like in high school at this time they probably asked them all oh, yeah, something cool like you see on the side of your your uncle's van and uh, that's what exactly what this looks like it's fucking terrible but it's great it's, it's really great because it's so bad uh but overall the music on this one it's uh it's it has some potential but terry glaze just like he's kind of a boring singer he's Whatever, like, and and the brothers, the Abbott brothers, they they barely shine on this record. It's just kind of whatever. It, it's it's cool to listen to, just to see where Pantera Pantera started. And uh, yeah, this is just whatever. If I had to pick a song, uh, I would be Widowmaker, because it's the, it's the only standout one that that I can actually kind of remember. Otherwise, yeah, this is forgettable, but but cool to listen to at least once. So I give this a one. I give it a one on our three-point rating system. Okay. So what do you got for number eight? Uh, Reinventing the Steel. Okay. This was the year 2000 album. Their and this last is, record. Uh, it, was, it was hard to be objective with this one. I was pretty burnt out by this point or at this point. It's, it's um, my God, these records are like an hour long each, which is so fucking long. And <laughs> like this record had moments that that were cool. Some moments that were like very grungy in the vocal delivery, which I thought was kind of annoying and weird. And, but I don't know. Overall, it was it was just, eh. and I really didn't care for it since it was just more of the same shit I've heard the past two hours. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Death Rattle, that was that was a pretty dope song. I think okay. I I think I even playlisted it too. It was like one of them. There's a lot of like these 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 Slipknot type sounding songs where where Slipknot like rolls like the song Sick when when Sick finally when Corey finally comes in how that mm-hmm. that Slipknot sound how it like rolls along, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That sound they the they did it a lot in in Pantera in, in various moments and it was kind of cool to hear it. 
you know, but obviously not nearly as good as Slipknot did it, but it's cool to hear it before they did it. That was kind of fun. Yeah, before, yeah, because they, they started doing that in on um, Vulgar, and that was 92. That was three years before Slipknot even started. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool, pretty cool, because yeah. I, I have some, there. I, I noticed the sim- some similarities as well between Phil and Corey Taylor. Yes. Uh, so that's your number eight, is yep. re- reinventing the steel. Yeah. And Death Rattle, wait, Death Rattle, you said? Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my number eight is also reinventing the steel. I felt like this record is really half-assed. Uh, I mean, it's a fine whatever. It's a fine record, but you know, if I'm gonna listen to P- Pantera, I'm gonna listen to <laughs> like three records, you know, and that's all I need. I don't. I don't need this. Nothing really stands out for me. It just seemed very phoned in. And at this time, they fucking hated each other. Really hated each other more so. This yeah, this is like the lowest part of the band. Before they broke up, yeah, and and it shows it really does because I don't think it's a very good record, and I don't have a banger on this one. And apparently Terry Date, I think from what I read, Terry Date didn't he produced like all their '90s records except for this one at first because he said he I think he said he couldn't keep up with the drinking and the party. I guess it was so wild that he actually had to step back, and they produced it with somebody else. But then eventually on the the anniversary ones. Terry Date came back and like remixed it or something like that. So if you go on Spotify, there's two different mixes of the record. It's the Terry <laughs> Date one and then the, the guy who originally produced it. Just what I want to fucking hear is two different versions of one of their worst albums. <laughs> it sounds like almost exactly the same. You listen to both? <laughs> no, I well, I listened on my first listen. I listened to the Terry Date mix, and then I went back and listened to like two songs uh-huh. on the regu- on the original mix, and I just maybe little things here and there like admi- like just the atmosphere of it is a little bit different because Terry Date has a very open sound when he records music it's not like a wall of just stuff he's he's very good at like separating the instruments but yes. still making it sound really cohesive mm-hmm. I like him so good I do too I, Terry Date's one of the one of the greats for sure he did he did almost all the uh, he did a lot of Deftones too so says something but Anyway, so something you're right. <laughs> I, I have no bangers off of re- reinventing this deal. It's whatever. Never gonna go back to it. I'm gonna That's give fine. this one a one as w- a one out of three as well off our rating system. So, what do you got for number seven? Their first album, Metal Magic, 1983. Considering these kids aren't even like legal adults yet, and they're writing this music when they're like fucking 15, this album isn't bad. It's very goofy and it's very 80s hair metal sounding. But there's parts to it that are heavy and fast and aggressive, and you can tell that the 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 template, the 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 blueprint for vulgar display is there. It's just you know Terry Glaze is just fucking irritating and the worst part of this band. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But holy shit, dude! Dimebag at like 15, 16 years old, oh. he rips it up. My God, and that is yeah. one. That is one common theme that that I I've taken away from this listen, which is how fucking good Dimebag Daryl was. Unbelievable. Or at the time he was known as Diamond Daryl. Diamond Daryl, yeah. That's, Diamond Daryl and Rex Rocket. That's cool. Well, that's cool names. Well, that's, I mean, those, those are very those are very glam metal nicknames. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought the title track "Metal Magic" that like that was one of the ones where it transitions and becomes like a heavy, fast, and aggressive song for '80s hair metal standards. It kind of mm-hmm. sped up a little bit, got a little more chuggy, and and Pantera does a lot of of, of things well, and what they do really well, and we'll get into it later, is the ending of their songs. The ending of their songs, they like to they like to speed it up a little bit, church it up a little bit, add a little nuance to it, and, and end on a high note. And I like that. 
Yeah, yeah. They do do they do that a lot. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's fucking it good is. stuff. It is really good. So that's your number seven. My number seven is I am the night. So we're kind of we're kind of in the same the same ballpark <laughs> here, which is nice. Uh, yeah. This is their third album, like you said. This is the last one to feature Terry Glaze, and uh, before he was kicked out and Phil came in, came along. Uh, this this record was not good. I the thing that really kills it for me on this one is uh, Vinny's drums because he played an electronic kit, and it's so glaringly obvious that it. I mean, I don't even think they tried to hide the fact that he played an electronic kit because it's just it just stands out so much from everything else. And I hate the sound of electronic kits, especially in the eighties. Oh, it's terrible. Like you should only ever play an electronic kit if you're just like practicing by yourself. And you live like in a condo or an apartment or something. Like this is the only reason why you should ever play one of those kits. But Pretty no, true. They decided, Pretty true. But instead, they decided to make an entire fucking record with with a Simmons electronic drum set. <laughs> and it sounds terrible, and I hate it. And this is just just an extension of the second record. And the first record is just it's more glam. It's it's more glam vocally and songwriting wise, but. At this point, you can kind of you can you can hear more and more di- of Dimebag's signature sound and like the chugging and the the starting and stopping of of his of his or the choppiness of his guitar playing. You hear it a lot more on this one, and which is cool. But otherwise, yeah, this this song is not very good. If I had to pick a song, a, a banger off this one, it would be Down Below, which they have actually re-recorded for the fourth record. Uh, but this is this this particular song is very m- more much more Metallica sounding of the of the eighties, and that guitar solo is just really fast and it's so good, it's great. Mm, mm, mm. But outside of that, the record is pretty lackluster. So okay. that's my number seven. What do you got for number six? Projects, projects in the jungle. Their second album. Hmm. This one uh, it was it was similar to to Metal Magic, except there was a lot more liberty in in doing solos. Mm-hmm. And he, the band got better from one to two. They got they got a lot better, and they're still very very young. And they came out just like a year apart from each other, but they grew so much as a band. And yeah. overall, I don't have like a specific favorite song, but Dimebag's guitar playing on this is still pretty unreal. And I just, I, I I'm still just blown away by how good he was from like day one and there's just there's like he's definitely going after the eddie van halen sound on this album and there's a ton of like the phase tricks and and all the other stuff that we've heard from like songs like eruption and this Mm -hmm. is coming from a guy who was like 16 or 17 when they wrote this and this came out and it's just so fucking obnoxious that he's so good or was (laughs) so good yeah yeah so you you have no banger off this one right no no I, i don't have a banger off it but i mean this is I think this is this is so much better. So like like I am the night reinventing the steel and metal magic. I think metal magic I would give a one. The other two I would give sub ones. I don't think you need to listen to them. Who cares? Okay. Metal mm-hmm. magic I give a one. This one I probably do like a one point five, just because I think the 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 guitar sound is amazing and and you can really mm-hmm. hear him. Like really, I don't know, really getting comfortable doing doing better solos. Yeah. So my number six is also projects in the jungle. Uh, this record and I I agree with like everything you said this is a huge step up from Metal Magic their first record and it's like what the fuck were they doing with their third record like you you had this great this great progression this great maturity in the music 
and then you kind of just like throw it back to metal magic on your third record. It doesn't make any sense. But this this record is really good. And what makes this record better than the others of that era, the first three, was that they just I feel like they they finally decided to like or they they kind of made music outside of glam. So there's like some thrash stuff going on. For for example, like the the song Killers. That's my favorite. That's my biggest banger of this one because this is more of a thrash song, and it's fast. I mean, obviously, Dimebag's guitar playing is just, just so so good. Um, but I give them a lot of credit for trying something a little bit different, a little bit new, because at the time when the, what did this come out in '85 or '86, thrash was very new. Yeah, it was kind of blowing up, but it was still very new. And for them to take the chance of playing more thrash style, that's ballsy especially coming from, you know, Arlington, Texas, you know, <laughs> middle of nowhere. So, yeah, that it's really cool. And, and I agree with you on the Van Halen part. Uh, I, I also hear a lot of Judas Priest. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a big Judas Priestman, but I hear a lot of like Rob Halford stuff and a lot of the guitar similarities between the two bands. But otherwise, with this song, I mean, with this album, I would give it a 1.5 as well. So I agree with you on that. This is definitely better. This is the best of the Terry Glaze era, for sure. So yeah. with that being said, let's get into your number five. What do you got? Go. Uh, Far Beyond Driven, 1994. So mm. this one starts off, and so the first song is Strength Beyond Strength, and I was fucking blown away. This was like a straight-up like hardcore song, and it's amazing. It's one of their best songs. And then it tapers off fast. And it's not like a bad album by any means, but it's just nothing we haven't heard before. But just the shock that Strength Beyond Strength popped up. And it was it was such a banger of a song. And then to just fall off completely the rest of the album. The rest of the album is just it's just run-of-the-mill 90s Pantera. That is it. Nothing more, <laughs> nothing less. If you took that title track song out, this might even fall below like projects just because of its... What really mediocrity? There's just nothing about this. And then they they do the Planet Caravan cover. Oh yeah, that's kind of one hundred percent boring. <laughs> yeah, Vanilla. there was no reason for it. Yeah, but yeah, my favorite track is Strength Beyond Strength. That's the opener. I'm like holy shit, it's so aggressive. It's so fast. I swear to God, it was like some something like Death by Stereo Race Fist would would do. It's it was it was insane. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it's a pretty good song. It is a pretty good song. Holy shit. That's all right, it. so that is yeah. your number, what What were you saying? No, that's it. That's all I got. Number okay, five. So that's your number five. My number five is The Great Southern Trendkill, their eighth record. This is, uh, there's a lot going on on this one. A lot of grunge sounding stuff, a lot of 90s sounding stuff. They were still very heavy at this point, but they they really kind of doubled down on the grunge sound, which they had touched upon on the prior record, but they really went for it on this. And... I don't know. It's it's a fine record. I mean, I would never go back to it, but it was either what everything you've heard before or more grunge. And at this point, grunge was on. It was already out. You know, they were kind of that genre was dead for the most part. Uh, if, so my bangers on this one are two different songs mm. uh, because it pretty much should be one song, and that's Suicide Note Part One and Two. Uh, that part one is like just a very soft song, just kind of building up. And then you get part two, which is arguably their, their fastest song in their entire career. 
Like you can't get faster than that for them at least. That is just an absolute fucking crazy song right there. Part two, Suicide Note Part Two, and I I just like that the kind of the story that that, that tells and or it kind of leads you along. I, I like that a lot. So that's my number five, The Great Southern Trend Kill. I would give this one a one point seven five, one point seven five. Okay, fair. Never go back to it though. Never get it on vinyl. So <laughs> what do you got for number four? Uh, four is the Great Southern Trend Kill, Ooh. and I thought this was just like another far beyond driven i mean i do agree like a lot we're getting like especially in the vocals i I just sometimes he just irritates me with the way he wants to sing like like he's an stp or pearl jam or something it's fucking annoying there's a little stupid grunginess but then there there are times too where where i got like a little new metal in there yeah, but yeah. again man fucking hey this album's long and i just it bothers me that these albums are an hour long i just can't I can't get over it because they shouldn't be an hour long. And, and the whole point of like vulgar display was they wrote, you know, 11 songs. They didn't write like 40 songs and then chose 11. They wrote 11 songs that they felt were fucking bangers. Cause they like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they said, what's the point of writing all these songs? If you're just going to throw them away, not use them anyway, this is right. Nine or 11 really good ones. And it's like, yeah. my God, like you guys wrote all these songs that are just okay on the great Southern trend kill. Cause they're okay. Some of them are great. Like I, I, I do agree with you on on your your bangers there. Living through me, that's my biggest banger. I think that comes right after the the two parter too. Does it? I think it's the next song. Is it right another after. fast song? I don't. It's remember. so like this is this is when, I, so I really really heard the that that Slipknot sound. I don't know what you would call. It. I'm just gonna call it the Slipknot bounce because that's what kind of it does. It like rolls and bounces along, and it's really good. And like in, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, the, the song Sick is just like right off the bat. First album, you know, one of the first things people hear from Slipknot, they're coming in when, when, when the vocals start up. That sound right there is such a cool sound that Slipknot does better than anybody. And this was cool yeah. to hear it before they did it. I was like, oh, fuck, that's rad. This is like years prior to that. That's cool. That's cool that Slipknot would, 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 I don't know, perfect this sound. Even though the, if this was the first thing you heard, you'd be like, holy shit, this is amazing. And Slipknot yeah, does yeah. it, and it fucking blows your mind. <laughs> it's true. Slipknot did such a good job with that. That particular, I know exactly what sound you're talking about. Exactly. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I can, I can sing it along as I'm listening to it. And you kind of like. Are you, talk, wait, are you talking more about like the the slower, more subdued parts, or the heavier? No, parts? literally in the in okay. Because because sick is the first like song song, right? Yeah, on, yeah. yeah. On that, that's what's album. throwing me off from what you're saying. Yeah. So not not the instrumental parts. It's right when when Corey comes in. Oh, wait, okay. That that kind of yeah. I know. Like he has that, that choppy way of singing. Like where he's super pissed. Like kind of like that yeah, thing. It's yeah. very static and just, yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. That that, that sound. About. That sound is here. And Pintera had done that sound <laughs> prior before, but that was not. I mean, Vulgar Display they did it better, but this was one of the best times they did that Slipknot mm-hmm. bounce. Yeah. So. Yeah. The Great Southern now Trend I Kill. I I was thinking of a of a different thing that that Pantera were doing, uh, that reminded me a lot of Slipknot, but it was like in the slower, the like the slower songs, like because Phil does this like deep kind of he has this deep thing when he sings slow and to be menacing, much like Corey Taylor does when he when there's a very slow Slipknot song from the first two records, where it just sounds like he's gonna he's gonna murder somebody. That's what it sounds like, but without screaming. And they both do that. Both Phil and Corey both do that. But except obviously Phil did it before Corey did. But it's um it's 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 funny because cause neighbor 
my neighbor Phil, who who Vulgar Display is like one of his top three albums of all time, and he he has said that that like the only other person that could do Phil and Selmo's like kind of like lower, it's not like a growl, but it's you know what I mean, like the lower yeah, thing no, that he does. The only person that he yeah. ever thought could do it better than than Phil and Selmo was Corey Taylor. I'm surprised he even knows who Slipknot is. Who Phil? Yeah. If it's in the metal rule, he knows everything. Really? Even Slipknot? I don't know. It just seems what too modern. Even Slipknot? It what just seems too modern. 90s. It just seems too modern. What are you talking about modern? It seems too modern. I don't know. I, I, I think you fell on your head or something when you walked in the door. <laughs> uh, so that was your number four, right? Yeah, number four. All right, my number four is Power Metal. Fourth record. This is the first one with Phil, but they were still doing the glam thing. This one actually it really surprised me at how good it was. And I was kind of blown away by Phil. I had no idea he can actually sing like that. Like, he has quite the range, both, you know, with the clean vocals and then bring in the, the screaming. He has a wide range in both of those kinds of th- styles. And I was very impressed. Honestly, very, very impressed. He, he does have moments where he does sound like Rob Halford here and there. This is just like a really good record. It it, it really yeah. was. Like it it was it was a great combination of glam mixed with thrash and then a little bit of what the, they were going to become with vulgar display. A great a great combo of all that. Uh, my favorite song is uh P was it PST88? PST88. PST88. Great fucking thrash song. I just it's just a great song. And this is a perfect song to transition from power metal to uh, Cowboys from Hell. Cowboys, Cowboys from Hell, yeah. Perfect, perfect <laughs> transition right there. So power metal, honestly, I, I would I would pick up power metal. Oh, oh no. I probably, actually, I take it back. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick it up. Just, be, just because you know how expensive it is? Well, I mean, I would just buy a bootleg. I'm not going to fucking uh. buy. I'm not going to buy an official copy of any of the stuff from the 80s because that's bullshit. That's stupid. Oh. Silly boy talk. Uh, but yeah, if it was if a bootleg was like five bucks, ten bucks. Oh my maybe, god, this guy here has five bucks. If it was a nickel, <laughs> well, I, would you not guy. pick it up for a nickel? I'm not gonna answer that question. Stupid. So that was your number four. <laughs> that was my number four. Oh god, my number three. <laughs> what you got for number three is power metal. Okay, dude, all right, all right. I really enjoyed this album. This is. Man, this is such a cool album. Everything is here. Like the Cowboys from Hell sound is here. It's just very amateur. Amateur. The glam metal songs yeah. are tolerable because Phil is not an annoying glam metal singer. He's a little bit more nuanced. And Dimebag's are really fucking good guitars at this point. Like he's not just a kid like fooling around the guitar. Now he's a full blown fucking really good guitarist. And yeah. it's still yeah. early. My God. And then that feels like his growl thing. It's starting to form here. The stuff that he will just perfect in vulgar display. It's forming. It's, it's in like the, the embryonic stages. It's so cool. And there's also some very, very Metallica sounding songs on this, like over and out. So they're still mm-hmm. kind of figuring out what they want to take, where they want to take their sound. And like, this is, this is such a cool transition. Like you said, from the glam to what we know as Pantera, but mm-hmm. This is, uh, I don't know, this makes glam metal kind of cool, and I, I really dig it. My favorite song is PST, or Pussy Tight Solo, 88. <laughs> it's a closer, for the, a closer song for the album, and it's just fucking good. It's just like a weird power metal slash thrash track. It's fucking yep. weird, and it's, God, Daryl just rips it up. He's, he's just, like, I've always heard, I've always read articles, and he's always on a lot of lists of, of best guitars of all time, and 
never really dove into Pantera outside like two songs, which I think mm-hmm. he's a great guitarist. But after this week, my God, I just I could not even believe how good he is. Could it? Yeah. Can do it's it. pretty remarkable. I'd buy Power Metal on the vinyls for sure. Bootleg or real? No, I mean if if I honestly if I saw a real copy of Power Metal for like twenty five, I'd probably splurge. Oh my god! Yeah, good luck. Yeah, but that's it. Well, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> like you at least fucking four dollars. Yeah, no, at least, I, like, I mean, honestly, you're looking at at least hundred fifty bucks for uh, an actual real copy of that. Right? Uh, yeah, no, there's no way, and and it's it's never gonna get repressed, and especially now that that half the band is gone, and only then half that's left is the bass player and, and a guy that's a dick. So mm-hmm. neither never of them are original happen. members. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's I don't know. I, I would never order this as, as a as a bootleg. If I saw it as a bootleg in the in a store, I'd probably pick it up. But mm-hmm. I, this is not something I would order online as, as as a bootleg. I don't I don't care about it that much. But I did really really like it. This is at least a two. All right, that's I, I would I would give I would give it a two as well. Uh, yeah, I'd give it a two. I'd give it a two. So I, I will say though, I did speaking of vinyl real quick. I did see maybe two or three months ago. Uh, the guy who does record safari in Glasshouse, he uh, he had an original copy of Metal Magic that he was selling in the store, but I don't know uh, how much it was. I think I saw him post it on on Instagram. Was it, yeah, but it, I don't know if it was Record Safari or Glasshouse. I can't remember. I, I think it was Record Safari. You're right. I don't know. I don't remember which one it was, but I do remember just because the the cover is so fucking the awful, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but he was <laughs> selling an original copy of it. He probably sold it for at least 150 bucks. Oh 200 yeah, 200 maybe. Some asshole probably bought it. Oh, yeah. Of course. He thinks it's good. So, those people are dummies. All right. So my number three is Cowboys from Hell. Cowboys from Hell. Fifth album. Really, this album was the, was the beginning of modern Pantera, the Pantera that everybody knows. But what I what has always like thrown me off about the band, and especially this record when I listened to it, was... Dimebag's uh, guitar tone. I never liked the guitar tone on Cowboys for, on the song Cowboys from Hell, and that's what that tone is through the entire entirety of this record. It just it's I just don't like it. It's too gritty. It's too it's too rough sounding, like too rough to the point where it just sounds not very good. Musically, everything's there, but I would compare it almost to like the snare sound on Saint Anger from Metallica. Ooh. Like it, it's it's distra- it's just distracting enough to be a little bit annoying, and it kind of dampens the the greatness of the record. Okay, okay. I just okay. I can't stand okay. his tone on this. Okay, and he he never has that tone after the before or after this record. It's just too much. But otherwise, it, it's it's a great record. I'd give this a two out of three out of our uh, on our from our ranking system. And what was cool about this too is that Phil still had the higher registered screams and and singing. Like there's a little bit of that here. Like he still kind of threw it back to the glam stuff, but still kept it really tough, you know, in theme with what they were going for from here on out, which was cool. I like that. My favorite song is Shattered. Some amazing guitarist from Dimebag on this. And the soloing is just so fucking good. Uh, But this is another song too where it's more thrash than more the groove metal that they kind of that they essentially kind of created. So yeah, <laughs> Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, that's my number three. Cowboys so from Hell. 
The Cowboys from Hell is my number two. It's so good. Is there, so there, there, there's a couple things that I've noticed with this guy, Terry Date, right? Mm-hmm. So I think going from power metal to Cowboys from Hell, you got you bring in this big time producer who's, you know, he's he knows he what he's a doing. Big time guy, though. He but knows he what he's doing. But pa- compared to what they were doing on Power Metal, this is a this is a big time producer. They're spending big money. They just got signed. They have a lot of money to spare. They're doing the recording in studios that they probably have only dreamt about. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going into this, and I think that's where that's where it suffers. And I know I noticed that Terry Date does a lot of stupid flush shit sometimes, and and there's a couple of tracks mean? in Vulgar Display where he adds these little things. That are just fucking nonsense. They're just little noises that he adds. They're fucking just so stupid and pointless, and I don't know why he does it. But then I I notice that it happens a lot in, in the in the Pantera realm with Terry Day <laughs> behind the wheel. These, these, we'll get into it later. There's a couple tracks here that I, that I really noticed it on. It was I thought it was so dumb. But I okay. I think these guys just didn't know. They're still evolving, and even Cowboys from Cowboys to Vulgar, that's still an evolution. And they're still evolving. And I just think they just didn't quite know how to articulate the sound that they wanted. And so, because I agree with you, in some parts, the guitar tone is just, it's almost like washed out. It just sounds like shit, even mm-hmm. though they were trying to go for like an edge. But it's just, it just, it wasn't presented in a well, I don't know, a good way. It was like, it was like they wanted it to be really crunchy, but then they churched it up so much that it just sounded like fake crunchy. Yeah, more like tinny. Like it was like, it was almost like they took all the low end out of the guitars. So it just, I don't know. Don't like his tone on it. Damn, dude. This is just, this is such a cool album. Like like the Art of Shredding, that's my second biggest banger. Super rad okay. song. Obviously, dude, Cowboys from Hell is such a cool fucking song. And even like, even young me that was super into pop punk, when I first learned how to play the guitar, Cowboys from Hell, for whatever reason, was always a song that I really, really loved. And then That's this weird. this week I learned the that main riff like again and it came supernatural because I've always just known it. I've always just learned this song because it's so fucking cool. God, it's real. God, it's just so oh, I love that so much. It's so good. <laughs> All right. I should have bought these on fucking when when Revolver did the the represses or whatever they were for Cowboys and Vulgar Display. Yeah. Was that? That must have been recent then, if we were... Yeah, it was like the past year, maybe oh, two shit. years. It was super recent, but I mean... They're I, not on the site anymore at all? They're all sold out? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't checked. I would I would assume that, they, that they're that they gone. I don't know. But yeah. like my but neighbor Phil has like a, an original Vulgar Display, like a 90s copy of Vulgar Display on the vinyls. Fuck, dude. I can't... Uh, I mean, that's I, so cool. I want it. So I'm going to steal it next time I'm over there. I can't believe he just won't sell it to you. Like, he doesn't even have a turntable. I mean, I, I'm sure if I asked, he probably would. But I yeah. just, I mean, I don't know. I understand, uh, like, those are, that's like his stuff. You know what I mean? He's no, I know. Sentimental but... value and, and things like that. And But damn. One day I'm just going to leave a Tanya Tucker album in its place and just write, like, IOU for Vulgar Display <laughs> on it. And then one day he'll he'll notice. <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> As he's flipping so, through his metal and he's got like Flotsam and Jetsam and the Metallica and then, oh, Tanya Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like uh, Revolver still has some um, Pantera stuff on there. How much are they? Uh, so it looks like Vulgar, Vulgar and Cowboys, 
you it comes it's the vinyl with the like a book like a special collector's edition and it's 45 45 dollars 45 dollars for like a book and the record same with cowboys or you can buy or you could buy all the 90s stuff for 390 (laughs) dollars it's even worse i'm sure i'm sure they're on discogs you know if they still have them for sale on revolver you're gonna find them on discogs and shit Revolver's so annoying because most places, if you sign up for like their mailing list, they'll throw you like a 10, maybe a 15, and in rare circumstances, a 20% off. Hey, 20% off your first order. Revolver does a 6.66% off your first order. (laughs) Fucking annoying. So metal. Like you're not even covering tax. (laughs) I know. Fucking shit. That's (laughs) awful. That's where they get you, man. That's where they get you. Uh, 6.66. That was real. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right so you got anything else on cowboys from hell Uh-oh. all right so my number two is are you ready for this one yeah the great uh, no what did you like far beyond far driven. beyond driven yeah their seventh record this is um this is a this record is probably their most dynamic record they they touch upon more kind of genres and styles than any other record they they're dabbling in the grunge, but then I feel like they they were really doing a lot of new metal stuff that Sepultura were doing, Korn were starting to do at the time. So they they really did they were touching upon a lot of cool things and they were doing it well. Like it wasn't too much grunge, like on Southern Southern Trend Kill, which was way too much grunge. There was like this great balance of of all these different things that they were doing with the groove metal and thrash and and everything else. And I thought it was really cool. And this is one of those records where I heard a lot of Slipknot in there. Like what I was talking, not not the fast stuff or like the stuff like Sick, but the slower stuff like Tattered and Torn and like and Purity and those kind of slower Slipknot songs. I hear a lot of that styling on this record or some of that styling on this on this particular record. And I, th- I think this is a solid record. I would get this one on vinyl. Ooh. I would definitely get this on vinyl. And uh, my favorite song, Strength Beyond Strength. I'm on this one. What a what a killer way to start out the record. Coming off of Vulgar, you know, it's it really punches you in the face. This is a, <laughs> it's a great even, fucking song, man. Even coming off of Vulgar, like it's still intense. It's still yeah insane. Yeah. I, I was I was fucking blown away by that song. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's such a cool song, and I honestly I think it's a great record. And I don't care what anyone else says. I like I like how diverse it is, but in all the in all the positive ways, they did a really good job on this record. And I've never knew this record existed prior to this week. So there you go. That's my number two. So I guess our number ones are the same. Yeah. And that's a vulgar display of power. That was real. <laughs> so we'll get more into that on the main episode. So go listen to that uh, while you're listening. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you all for listening. Tell all your friends and family. And that's it. That's all. Go Israel.